Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast, we are discussing The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 3, The Power Broker. All that and more right after the set, we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. And in our producer chair today, we have Jay Scotty St. Clair. How you doing, buddy? Doing excellent. Thank you kindly for having me back. Absolutely. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you. Wonderful to have you, my friend. Um, well, we just watched episode three of uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier, and I think this is my favorite episode yet. I mean, they're all my favorite episode yet. That is fair. That is fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In this, in this episode, we got to see just a whole bunch of awesome going on. Like, there was a little bit of story, a teensy little bit, a little sprinkling of story to get to mm. get us going, but then there were just like so many like awesome, cool, awesome, cool, awesome, cool, and a whole lot of characterization building for uh, for our our boy Zemo, right? <laughs> yeah, you are correct. Yeah. There was a lot of awesome, cool this episode. Um, yeah, awesome, cool, awesome, cool. TM TM Jeff Randall, awesome, cool. Uh, that's what all the kids are saying these days. Yeah, that's what I call my guns. <laughs> awesome and cool. This one's awesome and yeah. cool. <laughs> well, it's like they were fighting me. <laughs> I don't know if it was a limited amount of story. It was definitely like expositional, one step to the next to the next. It, it felt like a procedural cop show in the beginning, you know, uh, where like yeah. they're going, this clue leads to this person, leads to that. Who is this lady? Who's Madani? Which I was like, ah, hey, Madani, it's got to be Punisher's friend. <laughs> I know that name. <laughs> I've heard of a Madani before. Yep. Uh, it's all connected, man. It has to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I do think that a lot was unveiled this episode there's a lot of interesting characters going on here uh the the work they did with sharon is it, huge she's changed so much since we last saw her uh introducing yeah. zemo uh finding out what where the where the soldiers super soldiers came from all this stuff man it's it, it's a lot there's a lot to what was happening this episode what about you jay scotty what are your initial thoughts no yeah i agree i mean in the first two episodes we got to spend time you know individually with falcon and bucky and then the second episode it was kind of them reuniting and uh you know the initial growing pains of their relationship but it was actually nice to like see them as a team uh just like full full-fledged like in the action and then we get that we get to spend more time with these these excellent characters like sharon like zemo and then i was just blown away by madripoor it's so visually stimulating uh we got a lot of funny humor there like that zemo dancing has got to be a gif but uh yeah for sure the music like, oh sure. man Henry i Jackson's think zemo music. zemo looking out over the dance floor and like rubbing his hands together that <laughs> that's what got me uh and it, it, it's it's zemo sort of like we've only seen zemo on a vengeance quest that's all we've seen him and we know now that he was like this aristocrat who likes the high life and knows madripoor and like you know he, he's he's a high life like millionaire or whatever and he's like jet setting in his private jet and he clearly loves the dance floor and loves like the ladies and like he just like i don't know like whatever he was a married man uh back back before but like he clearly like He's had, I guess he wasn't, he was, he probably wasn't blipped. He seems like he's had some time to get over his, the death of his family a little bit. And he's like, kind of like getting out there. Like I'm, I'm just enjoying his life and his drinks. And I just, I, I loved it. I really, really enjoyed Zemo 
getting a chance to know Zemo when he's not just single focused, I guess. Right. When he's got a little bit more to chew on around him. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a, they're built, you know, you, you normally build a character and then you put them through stuff. And that mm-hmm. is that is the way they're a protagonist. Like you get to know them, and then they go through things. But like Zemo in this episode feels like we're finally getting to know him, like what he is like, even though we knew kind of what he's been through and like his struggles with his death of his family and his vengeance quest and all that stuff. And now he's just like being Zemo, <laughs> and I just loved he, it. He basically did the opposite of build the character, put him through things. It's like. He's been through things, and now they're building the character. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because we don't, there it's were like, no like, he was interesting in Civil War, but he wasn't. There were no like idiosyncrasies or like quirks to him. He was very like, I am, I'm, I'm a soldier after Tony Stark, you know, or after yeah. after uh, all of the Avengers. Yeah, um, and it was you know that was one of the gripes of Civil War is that. There wasn't much to mention to Zemo. His plan was super convoluted. Uh, and I feel like in this episode, we we finally get to see just, like, why all of his plans were super convoluted. Because this guy is playing 10-dimensional chess, and we're, like, right. we're over here just trying to play checkers on the dance floor. He's constantly taking in more information than he's giving out. Zemo's a really yeah. interesting character. I, 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 I kept noticing he was asking questions or listening to people having conversations when, while, and he's not really telling anyone anything about himself or his plans or his goals. And I love that he's doing just little things throughout Madripoor, like just dropping little bits of information that, like, he knows people are listening. And so he'll say something, you know, kind of acting like he's talking to his friends, but it's really just to get the word like dispersed in the room. And like, you can tell that he is completely in control of like everybody in this room. It's a good like, point. When they walked into the bar, he was like, are you ready to comply winter soldier? And everybody's like, fuck, is that the winter soldier? Is that the winter mm-hmm. soldier? Like, yeah, it's like he has was- complete control of the information he is giving out and no one else does. And he is just a sponge for everything that's going on. And then he's taking it. He's only letting out what he wants to let out to like drop, whether it's fake or real information, he's putting it out there to like, yep. Uh, seed the actions that he wants people to take. Yeah. Zemo yep. Zemo is a super fascinating character in this episode. I'm excited. He sees, he sees all of the web and knows exactly which threads to pull. <laughs> Like, Absolutely, that's that's Zemo. Mm, I love and it. like I, the whole episode, I kept I kept expecting him to like, you know, something will happen. He'll betray and run away, and like, ah, oh, yeah, that's how he escapes. But like, he didn't do that. They didn't play on that trope, and it was great. Right, and like, right, he shows up with the car, and he's just like supercharged. Like, I like this car. You know, well, it's like for whatever <laughs> reason, he thinks he's still in control enough to stick around with these guys, or he thinks he needs them enough to stick around with these guys. But he clearly doesn't find them much of a threat. Like he's like, I could have escaped now, sure, but I can escape later. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like right. he's he's not worried about it. He's sticking with them. He just took out the guy who created the super soldiers, and he is ready to take out the other twenty. Okay. Let's send Jay Scotty to his uh, okay. to his feedback cave yeah. so he can collect the feedback from the live watch. Uh, thank you, Jay Scotty, for your thoughts on the beginning of this. Yeah, off to the cave. Hopefully, there's a box of scraps for me. If not, I'll uh, keep myself occupied with the 
the comments. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, you guys. <laughs> I think that's how the the phrase goes, right? Yeah, we'll take for it. sure. We'll take it for sure. <laughs> Pandas never say die. <laughs> Do the truffle shuffle. No, no, that's, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. No, thank you. Um, okay, let's get back to Winter Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What do we think? What do we think of uh, what? What else? What, what? What? What other big things did we see? I, we haven't really talked to John Walker yet. Sharon Carter much? Um, well, I, I can I throw out a bold theory here? I'd like course. to throw out a bold theory here, please. I think that Sharon Carter is going to be revealed to be the power broker. I think everyone is thinking that. Yeah. We actually talked no, about it while you were off. It's a very, very bold, only me kind of theory. I'm putting <laughs> only, it on the board. I'm yeah, taking credit as, for it. As soon as that person came and picked her up and appeared to be like her, like, like serving her, she seemed to like open the door for her. I was like, oh, she's totally, yeah, she's either working for the power broker or is the power broker, which is, I think, more likely. Yeah. Well, she even when, has a when, has a place in Hightown or whatever. Like it just sounds Yeah, she's got the nice place in Hightown. Like, whenever Sam brought up um whenever Sam brought up that Carly Morgenthau stole the samples, the thing like she wasn't like I you know, I've heard that name before or I know who that is or who the hell is that? Like any of those responses, it was just telling them, you know, please stay out of this or please get out of this for your own safety. Yeah, she's definitely taken a dark turn, even if she's not the power broker, which I think you're right. Uh, I, th- I really do think she is. Uh, even if she's not, I mean, she's like also taken a dark turn. Also, and I'm excited about it. The scientist Nagel, Nagel was his name. Uh huh. He used to work for Hydra, and then okay. when Hydra dissolved, he got picked up by the CIA, which is who mm. Sharon worked for in Civil War, and then she became enemy of the state. He got dusted, but she was on the run for two years before all of that happened. If she didn't get dusted, then she's had seven years to set up this power broker persona. Yeah, and you think about that seven years, like, if they haven't really seen Sharon in seven years, then that's a long time. And it, it, To them, it feels like they just left her, but to her, right. it feels like it's, you know, she's a long time and has gone a long way toward a new life and she's definitely coming back I, I was i was nervous when she was like when she was like i can't go with you guys da, 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 da. i was like okay well now they're just setting up a sharon carter show for later and we're not gonna get any more sharon carter but i think we are i think we're getting more sharon carter well, imdb shows that sharon carter is supposed to be in four episodes right of the show sometimes and that's was, right like, and sometimes it's not yeah yeah and i i was like assuming that's correct how are they going to get her in more episodes of this without her being, you know, tracking somebody or, uh, you know, in league with someone? Yeah. But honestly, the like, the she likes the she likes the idea of the pardon. If if she can get the pardon, then she can come back and and do business in the United States. Right. And I like that. I like oh man, I'm I'm more and more on she's the power broker now. Like Yeah. I come uh-huh. I think she is. She either is or is working for the power broker. I think that's like a really good call. Yep. Yep. Um if you remember, uh everyone else who has not met the power who is 
never met the power broker, always calls the power broker him, you know, refers to power broker as him. But Mm. Carly never gives a gendered pronoun. She says the power broker. Like uh, when the guy was like, the power broker is going to be after us. Um, You know, we can't outrun the power broker forever. Carly was like, the power broker will come begging because Nagel just got killed. Like, she specifically said, the power broker will come begging. Right. So, there have been people who have said it was a he, that the power broker was a he, but right. Carly might know better because she's, I don't know. Because she's depends. actually met. She she stole from him, or her. Or her. Uh, but yeah, it's weird. It's weird if a bunch of people that live in the town with the power broker call him a him, unless that's just her fake persona that she puts on. I mean... Do you really think that a town full of lawless pirates is going to look at Emily Van Camp, <laughs> Sharon Carter, right. and be like, power broker? Uh, right. Yeah, it's, po- it's because, I mean, sexism. You right. Know? <laughs> because sexism. And also, I don't know, you know, she's, uh, she's like this American, like, goody two shoes, ex CIA person or whatever. Um, man. Yeah, I'm I'm so fascinated by her character. She came in she came in real hot with all that violence and uh yeah, she, she did. She, <laughs> <laughs> and she just came in really um interesting and like I love her sass. Deep, like, I guess. Yeah. Like Sharon Carter more like Bayron Carter, am I right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Also we talked. We talked a lot last during Wandavision about how how could the Avengers let uh, Vision's body go to the government or go to Sword? But like, how did none of the Avengers ever try to stand up for Sharon? For Sharon, yeah. <laughs> Sharon Carter was was put on the run, and yeah. then the people who would have defended her were also on the run. For right. two years, and the only reason they came back is because Thanos was coming, and they immediately got snapped. So, right, it makes me wonder what happened in those five years. We still don't really know, but it's like Cap it still seems. Yeah, to be Cap working. wasn't gone. He should have stood up. Yeah, Cap. Damn there. it, Cap. Um, come on, Cap. <laughs> You're letting Sharon uh, go to the go to jail. You're letting uh, Vision's body get taken off the field by Sword. Like, what is happening, Captain America? You're supposed to be the best of us. Captain America dropped the ball in five years. Yeah. I mean, I know, I'm sure, I, it just sounds like one of those situations where there's a lot going on, and she got lost in the shuffle. I mean, for that matter, she'd also, may, maybe she disappeared, you know, like, maybe, and, like, maybe, like, the fact that she she's living in Madripoor on the run, like, they think, <laughs> they think maybe she's gone. Maybe if no, one, no one's heard from her, it's very likely they thought she blipped or something. I just I think it'd be really funny if she's already been pardoned. Like if Sam goes to be like, "Hey, can you pardon Sharon Carter?" and they're like, "No, she's been pardoned, man. She just never came back." Right. Of course, now that I think about it, she did help. She helped Cap to yeah run away with Bucky, which just ended with the Civil War fight. It didn't actually. They didn't really do anything to save anything after that point. You know what I mean? Like that whole. I never really thought about this, but the whole Civil War thing, because the whole, the whole MacGuffin is those, those super soldiers, uh, the whole yeah. Civil War thing 
I've never really thought about how little the heroes do for the good for the good of humanity in that in that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's all very much for their own their own peace of mind or or their yeah, friends. For, well, it's for their beef. It's like all about building that beef, which is what I love about that movie. Because I thought for sh- you know you're in the movie theater, they have this whole misdirect of these super soldiers they're after, and you're like, okay, it's going to be the thing where they fight at the airport and then they come together to fight the super soldiers when they need to. But no. They, those super soldiers are dead. They get there and they fight each other. I know I'm really getting civil war, but I never really thought about how like, there really isn't anything to give her a pardon for. Like she helped the side. She helped one of the sides in this battle that never ended up trying to do anything good. Like, it's not like she, she made a bet to try to like stop these super soldiers, but those super soldiers didn't exist or they weren't, you know, they weren't there. So she didn't do any good. So now that I think about it, why would you pardon her? <laughs> like, like she's—it's kind of a tough sale. I mean, like I could see a Captain America making a case for her and being like, "If I'm coming in, she's coming in," or something like that. But like at the same time, I could see the government being like, "She like broke her oath to the CIA and like sent you know <laughs> sent you guys on yeah. a mission that like was not good for you, you know, in any way." Yeah, she stole wings for your ass to save your ass from his ass. Yeah, that, that that you guys were just having a playground fight, and she helped you have that fight. Like, there's no she fell for Zemo's trick, and then didn't do anything to actually help the world. So yeah, that's fair. That's maybe maybe it's <laughs> yeah. all fair. Maybe it's fair. Maybe that she doesn't deserve there. a pardon. <laughs> yeah, maybe she deserves to go off and become a supervillain like the power broker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the betrayal. That's a betrayal that we were waiting for in Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's happening now, like this. Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. So, what else we got? What else we got this episode? Um, have we talked much about John Walker at all? I mean, they didn't talk about John Walker in the episode very much. He got spit in his face and was and like pulled out his true colors of like, you know who I am, <laughs> and. You know, he's trying to wave that Captain America dick around, and it's it's not working for him. Hmm. Because the guy was just like, I do, and I don't care. Like, ooh, what are you gonna do? There's people here to watch. <laughs> like, yeah. there's witnesses here, you can't just beat him up. It is weird. He, he really, like, crossed the line in a couple of ways this um episodes like the do you know who i am is pretty like oof he's just very prideful um yeah he's very like willing steve was always like this humble guy who was like reluctant to take the shield but he did what he had to do to do good for the world um yep. this guy is um i i don't know uh he is very much taking on the mantle of captain america and using it for his own uh glory is that if that makes sense like his own glorification as a as a person yeah. he's very willing to use it that way which does feel very strange yeah and the the way that he said to um to hoskins i'm not calling him Battlestar. um the way that he said to hoskins mm-hmm. as long as we get the job done do you think they're gonna give us flack for how or do you think they're gonna yeah you think they're gonna sweat us for how like Mm, that's some villain that's stuff not right something, there. That, yeah, that's not something Cap would have said. That's no. not something Cap would have believed. No, I mean, like he he would have done what he had to do to get some jobs done. He, he would have weighed the you know the good 
but but he always believed that like in the methods we don't trade lives we don't trade lives yeah Yeah. like he's got steve rogers has like even though he does some some rough things and he beats up a lot of people like he's there's still lines he won't cross there's still a code in there to do the right thing i think that john walker wants to appear to do the right thing but will do anything to to see that his goals are met Mm. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, and there's also I, a, a thread going on where last episode they said we're targeting civilians, which we didn't talk about this last episode. Uh, but they said we're 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 doing what we're going to target the civilians that are helping out, and just the the term targeting civilians, and then yeah. the next episode being like, <laughs> I don't think they're going to sweat us. Guy's house. Well, I don't think they're going to sweat us if uh, it, depending on how we do this. And I'm just oh like, yeah. Going after civilians and not having not having a strict code of what you're allowed to do, that's dangerous territory for any yeah. uh, hero, and much less this guy we, has not been really shown to have much uh, integrity, I guess. He's got, that, he's got that Ultron mentality of, like, clearly you've never made an omelet if you think that nothing has to be broken. He beat me by two seconds. <laughs> I, I, I just gotta hop, hop in here for a second, guys. Like, I thought it was like such a great character moment because like that is what different differentiates him from Steve Rogers. Like me as a person, if somebody spat in my face, I would instantly be livid. But how would Steve Rogers react to that, that scenario? Like he would not react that way. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Very, very telling. And then it is a good opportunity. We've got, uh, the ethical Panda, uh, Mr. Matthew Fox here, um, on the subject of John Walker, he's saying, you're talking about how John Walker is a villain because he's willing to do bad things to get the job done. But out here, heroes broke Zemo out of prison and let him straight up murder a guy. I'm not sure they're that far apart on that one. So, hmm. Ooh. I, yeah. I agree. I don't think that, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call, uh, winter soldiers actions, uh, heroic either. At least he is very much willing. He's that's why he's not cap either. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. that's why I don't there was there was a telling moment when uh he Falcon was uh, saying how he didn't want, he, he was like what am I supposed to do go get the shield and then uh or whatever and then um Winter Soldier says it, it, it's not up to you if you're not going to go get it I am I'm going to go take the sh- take up the mantle remember that Well right uh, no he yep. he said I I may have made a mistake mm-hmm. um or, you know, maybe I made a mistake. I shouldn't have put it in a museum. I should have destroyed it. Right. He's like, you can't. That's and then, right. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm conflating then, last episode and this episode. But yeah, he said, I'm, you know, that, that symbol means a lot to people. It meant a lot to Steve. It means a lot to me. I'll go take it if you're not going to. Something to that effect. Hey, yeah. Sorry. First watch. Just watched an episode. Um, <laughs> and we watched the last episode as we were getting ready for this one. So my brain's a little muddled. Uh, but... Sorry. That's telling to me because that's when he does when he says that Falcon does not respond. Falcon doesn't say, "Well, you go get the shield, then you be Captain America." He kind yeah, of gets, gone, then <laughs> he gets quiet, and I think it's because he knows that Winter Soldier doesn't really have the um purity of purpose and like the knowledge of right and wrong 
as he shows this episode. And that's why I think Falcon didn't make that decision to break out Zemo. He was not involved with that decision because Bucky knew that Falcon wouldn't go along with it. So he did it around his back. Now, once he's faced with the situation, he goes along. But that is the difference. That's who is Captain America. It's not John Walker. It's not Winter Soldier. Falcon is the one with that similar like sees the hard lines of good and bad and good and evil and decides to walk those lines, you know? Yeah. And he's, he's the one that like is constantly like, what did you do? Yeah. Damn it, Bucky. <laughs> not a perfect soldier, but a good man. Yeah. That's right. Not a perfect soldier, but a good man is exactly oh, it. So good. And I, I love that. It it takes a lot of convincing to get Sam to do, you know, that wrong thing. And he's just like, okay, 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 okay. Let's stop arguing about it. Fine. But if we're going to do it, you don't make a single freaking move unless we say so. Right. And, you know, he thinks he's so in control. And it's kind of funny. It's cute. But, like, he's trying to 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 keep a rein on, on this bad guy. And it's... It's really funny, and I love it. <laughs> I love him for it. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, um, you know, every time they're... <laughs> when they're in Madripoor and things are going sideways, like, it's... Sam's trying... He's trying so hard to, to like, not have to do bad things and, like, making sure everybody's okay. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, God, now we gotta get out of here. I gotta run. I can't run in these heels. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good he'll get you yeah, every time <laughs> it was so good i love also you know that for for how marvel tends to stay away from racial things uh and 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 political in general but like racial specifically like it doesn't really even touch on it much in in the um in the movies thus far and in the, in every episode of the show they've had something and the line in this episode they're away from america and uh he says he starts to say he looks like a pimp or something like that. I didn't hear I didn't hear the line. Yeah, he did. Said. He did say, "Why am I the only one that's dressed like a pimp?" Well, and uh, and he says, "Only an American would look at you and think pimp. Like you look like uh, you look like a stylish man who would dress like that. Like yeah. like only, only an American would see you as a black man wearing something flashy and go pimp." And it's like, oof. Yeah. Only an, only an American would think a fashion forward African American. Is a pimp, or no, a uh, fashion-forward black man uh, looks like a pimp, and right. that's you know <laughs> when he said that, I was kind of like, oh, my own biases, oh no, <laughs> 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 I didn't realize. Luckily, you know, it's, it, I it's didn't exposing see, things. Luckily, I looked away from that moment for a second, so I didn't happen to think that, so I get away <laughs> with it. <laughs> No, Matt, you um. don't. <laughs> <laughs> My ADHD saved me from being casually racist. <laughs> I don't have to acknowledge my biases today. Ooh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I get to live another day without having internal emotional conflict. <laughs> this is the escapism <sighs> podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we, we, as we've said over and over, we're going to touch on all these racial issues when they come up in the show, but it's not to say I don't love escapism, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I never said that. Okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, oh, another line. 
there was a bunch of, and I'm sure we'll cover it on the feedback episode. Actually, maybe not because that was for last week. There was a lot of talk about that scene uh, of the cops last week uh, with their with their guns drawn coming at Bucky and Falcon. A lot of people were like, "There was nothing racist there," and uh, and 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 I, and I even on first watch, I was like. Yeah, they just kind of, they see two people arguing, they come at both of them, they actually arrest Bucky, like all that stuff. And I was like, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe there's definitely something racial, there's definitely racial overtones, but I didn't, didn't catch anything on my first viewing that was particularly racist. And then I, on my second viewing this morning, I caught the line that I didn't catch last time, which was uh, one of the police officers turning to the, as he first walks up to the situation, they're both yelling at each other and he talks to, uh, he talks to Bucky and says, is this guy bothering you? Right. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that line before. That is definitely racist. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, like, you are definitely walking into a situation where two men are yelling at each other and immediately taking the white guy's side. Yep. Not good. Not good. While we're just on the subject of that, like, I, it's interesting to see, like, Sam almost has like a resentful acceptance to that. And it's actually like Bucky is the one that gets kind of like upset by that. He's like, do you know who he is? You're talking to this guy? No, I don't. No, he's not bothering me. This is the Falcon. Come on. Right. Well, that's that's the thing that I think that all of this racial stuff is pushing towards. And Mm. I like I've noticed that all of the really racially tinged moments in this show have related to the fact that Falcon is an exception, not the rule, Mm. and. All of these responses that I that you see Anthony Mackie's like he he always gets kind of quiet and like he, he gets this look on his face and I think there's some sort of like I am not a black man um, and I and I and I, I'm not speaking for anyone of color but it seems to me that he feels almost guilty for getting that exception you know right well it I I would think. I was, it, it always seems to me like he's pissed off that the, uh, the, the celebrity status that he has is the yes. only thing that gets him out of those situations yeah. or that, that gets him any kind of pull with anybody. Like, it can't just be that he, as a black man, you know, as a man in America, has his own value. And his own like, rights. It has to be his, right, and his own rights. It has to be his celebrity status yeah, that gives exactly. him anything. And, like, exactly. that pisses him off. Pisses me off, Matt. Piss- like, yeah, absolutely. Me too. But I think there's something more than just pissed off. I think there's a little bit of, like, you know, the, like, survivor's guilt. There's a little bit of, like, uh, celebrity guilt where he's like, I'm getting away from these things that my community and my family has dealt with. And if I took up the mantle of Captain America, I think it might tie into why he didn't want to pick up the shield. Because like he's like, if I ascend to Captain America, I become this symbol of America that my family can't even fully take part in in the same way. You know? Right. Um, And I think there's a little bit of that going on. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I... I still am leaning hard on it's about building his own legacy and his own, uh, you know, his own identity as a hero and not like just taking something from or taking something handed to him by, you know, some white guy. But there's also, you know, the fact that uh, a lot of people of color don't feel like America stands for them, you know? Yeah. So, and that's the why, question. 
I think this show is going to end with him taking up the shield, though. Which oh, is yeah, why absolutely. when you talk when you talk about we talked about this before, but you talk about the fact that like it's about him not wanting to take up uh, another man's legacy um, because I think that he will. I think I think at the end of the story he will, and so like I don't know that that's the story they're telling. I think it has something to do with the way what he perceives his legacy to be if he does that and like he he or or what legacy he's taking up because he definitely wants to take up his father's legacy you know he, there's mm-hmm. definitely something in them that wants to take up a legacy but it's about like whose legacy is he choosing and what does it mean for him if he like almost like chooses a legacy outside his community that will like abandon his community and not and not if he's not going to fight for them or something. I don't know. It's it's the, the, I'm I'm I don't know what it's, where it's going to go. And it's part extremely of it, nuanced. It is, and part of it is every time it comes up, Anthony Mackie's character clams up. Sam clams up, and it looks he just looks um, very fraught. And I think there's eventually going to be a breaking point where he speaks, and we're going to understand exactly where he's coming from. But that hasn't happened yeah. yet, and we're three episodes in. I think that's going to be closer to the end. Yeah, I want to know what happened and why he didn't take up the shield. Yeah, well, like the in the in the therapy session with with Bucky, you know, he says, "I, you know, I understand that this is not something that you or Steve would ever understand, mm-hmm. but can you just trust me?" That I thought that I was doing the right thing. Exactly. Like, it's very much an internal struggle for him. And it, he doesn't, he does not think that anybody else is going to understand what he's going through. Like, you can just, you can see it all over his face. So, because nobody else is going to identify with him. At least not those 200 year old white dudes. Right, right. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and because these people aren't going to understand his perspective and, and have any empathy uh that he that he needs like might as well just say i got this let's move on can we just squash it for now right yeah uh and it's worth bringing up it wasn't a major focal point for this episode but in terms of sam dealing with being conflicted about the the nature of which legacy he wants to you know embrace and if it is the legacy of the shield he is still dealing with the fallout that that legacy has been further tainted by the revelation of isaiah bradley so like, oh, does yeah. he want to be the first, you know, uh, well, he's not technically a super soldier now, but maybe the, that's still on the table. Maybe he could be, but does he want to be, the, you know, the first black Captain America knowing that Isaiah Bradley was, was technically the so first? Poorly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, that's, oh, by the way, I've mentioned it on the past, the Isaiah Bradley thing, and we've mentioned it, and I have told the story wrong. Apparently, oh. I, I, I've told the story that, and I thought this was the case in comics, that they had tested the super soldier serum, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, before they made Captain America. That is not the story from comics. I found out this week, I was watching videos, and it's actually the opposite. After Captain America, they tried to recreate the super soldier serum in comics, and that's when Isaiah Bradley was created. So we talked about it right. last week or the week before, and that is not what happened. It, it was Because we were yeah. talking about how that would complicate Erskine's legacy, and it wouldn't, because it was yeah. after Erskine was dead that the government <laughs> was trying to recreate. Erskine's um, still pure. <laughs> Yeah, they kept they kept Erskine uh, intact in this particular scenario. Yeah. Well, um, the way that they tell it in the Young Avengers, with the way like the way the Patriot uh, tells his his grandfather's story, seems to suggest that Isaiah Bradley was before 
um, oh, Steve really? Rogers. I, I just, yeah, well, that, I was that's the way to, we. I think that's the way we read it. Is it that, that may like, be? That may be. I was listening to some YouTubers this week, and they all said the opposite way. And I was like, okay, yeah. we must have gotten that backwards, or it's been retconned in comics. I'm not sure, or it's been told multiple different ways. That's that's definitely possible. Mm. I mean, it could just be you know the reliability of the narrator was uh, sure. skewed. Flawed. Elijah might not have known um, everything. Right, Elijah probably didn't know everything, but in the uh, the comic that Isaiah Bradley came from is called Truth, Red, White, and Black, mm. uh, and mm. is available on Marvel Unlimited, so okay. we need to go read that. Hell yeah. Yeah, we should definitely check that out for sure. The last thing is we haven't talked about the appearance of a Wakandan at the end of the episode. Oh yeah, one of the Dora Milaje. Dora Milaje shows up. I like it. We need more badass women in this show. <laughs> yeah, that's got so many implications to it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh I mean, there was foreshadowing for it, too, because Sam said, like, do you think the Wakandans forgot? Zemo killed King T'Chaka and framed you for it. Do you Mm -hmm. think that the Wakandans forgot that? Spoiler alert, they didn't. (laughs) Nope. Nope. They're right there. They're ready to go. Yep. And then, like, we had enough time to forget about that. And then at the end of the episode, there she is. We're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Sam was right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's exciting. And I wonder if we'll find anything about what's going on in Wakanda at all, especially with the death of Chadwick Boseman. Um, like, what is, will we find anything out the, about the king and what's happened with him since uh, Endgame? I, I, I'm, I'm curious if we'll know anything about what's going on in Wakanda. I could see them, like, using this to set up the fact that there'll be a transition of, of, of kings or, like, I don't know. I don't know, probably not. Probably not. It's probably probably too s- small of a thing. They'll probably wait until the Black Panther two to really flesh that out. But I don't know. Just thought yeah. it might be a way they could like start introducing that idea. Yeah, I've been I've been following the uh, the articles that keep popping up that are talking about uh, Ryan Coogler working on Black Panther two right now, and um, you know everything I keep saying is or everything I keep seeing is like. You know, him being asked about, you know, what are you doing without Chadwick Boseman? Uh, is it right or wrong to do it without Chadwick Boseman? And the most recent thing I saw was Chadwick Boseman would not have wanted us to stop because of him. Like, he would have wanted us to keep going right. and keep telling these kinds of stories. And, like, yeah, 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 he would have. I think there's, there's just way more at stake making that movie uh, than Chadwick Boseman as a person that movie was bigger than Chadwick Boseman as, as wonderful as he was and um, as great as he was in the role and as sad as I am to see him go. uh, There's a lot of characters to, to follow up with in a black Panther two. And there's, um, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of story to tell that is neat. That Mm -hmm. needs telling uh, in Wakanda. So I, I definitely think, there's nothing wrong with continuing it. Uh, but I'm, I'm the guy who always is up for continuing a story. Like I was the guy who's just like, do the Joker without Heath Ledger. Just do it. Do, I, I know he just died, but just do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> do it cowards. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to give a little credit to that character and the, the actress that portrayed her. Um, it was uh, AO who we first saw in civil war uh, portrayed by Florence Akumba, Akimbe. And, uh, oh, you know, okay. Got to give some so, credit to BVK because he remembered the character's name. I could remember the actress's name, but not the character's name. So together we made it happen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh, nice. She was the nice. one that said, you know, move or you will be moved. 
Yeah. Oh. I like okay. it. Yep. I like it. Nice. I love oh God, I I love so much that we're getting you know the the appropriate characters coming back in the appropriate ways. Like, you know, we we first saw Zemo in Civil War and we first saw her in Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know, we had we had Sharon Carter, you know, come about doing her thing in Civil War and like really affected in Civil War and then here she comes back right when Zemo comes back like it's all so perfect. I mean, Matt, it's all so perfect. This is almost just like Cap 4. You know what I mean? Like it's very much like a Cap movie. Um, yeah, this is Cap 4 the epilogue. Yeah, like what happened to all the other characters? The that, legacy. That were in Cap movies that never we never really got they never got their own stories told and now we're getting those stories and I I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it. Uh, and you know, I was thinking for for like a brief moment, do you think if if Chadwick Boseman had not passed away, um would he be the one that uh that is showing up in the street? But I like that it's uh, her. Yeah, that would have been amazing to, but I, I don't, yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see the, uh, you know, the king coming for the person who killed his father, but yeah, that's an interesting thought. I, you know, he, thinking about it though, he made his peace, right? Right. Um, like he was he, no longer he out almost for killed the wrong man. Right. Yeah. He's, he, he's no longer out for vengeance. He was just trying to. Put this guy away. You know, the living are not yet done with you. Right. Oh, it's such a good line. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's resonating here in that, you know, the, the living are not yet done with you. The Wakandans are really not yet done with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You're about to get skinned alive, Zemo. <laughs> well, and there's that uh, line before that that I always really love where he's just talking. I don't remember the actual line, but it's something to the effect of like, you know, you're you've wasted so much time consumed with vengeance, and those two in there are fighting each other, consumed with vengeance. And like he learns that lesson in that moment that I'm not going to let myself be so yep. consumed by vengeance. I'm going right. to I'm going to ascend what you you guys are fighting over and like save you in this moment. And it's so good, God. <sighs> what a Black great Panther! Moment. Like T'Challa is like thinking about that line. And then thinking about um, how how he reacted to the the past kings in the movie, like he's all about breaking the cycle and and building a better legacy. Like, uh, just ah, uh, he's very wise. He's such a good character. Yeah, yeah he's such Chala a good is character. Wise. Yeah. Damn it! And mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman did such an incredible job, you know, portraying that stoicism yeah. or stoic yeah. nature. I don't know if stoicism he did. is a word. But- he did. When I first watched um, the movie, I was like, you know, he's kind of a blank slate. Like, everyone else in the movie is very interesting and, like, kind of flashy. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I really love Okoye and I really love Shuri. Um, but on subsequent watches, and especially since his death and, like, realizing the sort of, like, the generosity of that performance. We got uh, Haley Hobbs coming in hot to correct us on a couple things. Uh, Regal oh. is definitely a, a better descriptor than Stoic. You're right. And then she actually got that quote for us that you were referring to from Civil War. So, oh, revenge awesome. has consumed you. It is consuming them. I will not let it consume me. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Haley Hobbs. You're the best. Love you, 300. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't know if I can trust her. She mistyped 300. <laughs> <laughs> or, I'm sorry, mistyped 3. 
thousand to anyway. <laughs> I knew what you meant. <laughs> I wanted to mention that um, we got to see Zemo being a more physical badass and not just a mental badass That's in this true. episode. That's true. You know, he got his like he put the mask on, he shot the thing, and then like jumped down and was like, "All right, I got to get my hands dirty," and just obliterated those three guys. Like it yeah. was not even close. But and through like tactical awareness, which is which is his thing, like. His precision was so, like, incredible to watch. And, you know, it really solidified, like, this guy is a threat. This guy's a real threat in the MCU. I was so happy with Yeah, me too. Me too. Let's get to the chat then. What you got, Jay Scotty? What you got? What are the, what are the people Woo-hoo. saying? Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, some, some good stuff to get, uh, get into here. So, um. On the subject of Mr. Baron Zemo, uh, Nathaniel Muzzy, Muzzy Nat in the chat, uh, he says his only minor gripe with Zemo is uh, why was a Baron working for a Sokovian kill squad? Try saying that three times fast. Hmm. Doesn't mesh up super well for me. Um, but then Haley did uh, kind of respond right back to that. And she said, I wondered about that as well. Perhaps the kill squad info was a plant in Civil War. And in this episode, he just makes it sound like he's going after the the super soldier stuff was in his bag for longer than just Civil War. Maybe a privately funded venture. Could That's be. possible. I would also say that it is very common for leadership in, um, in the government of various countries, including America, to go into the military for a period uh, it, yeah. it, it, it ingratiates you to the public. It allows you to uh, say you had military service when you want to take a leadership role later. So a lot of these, like a lot of senators, a lot of presidents, they all have military service because it like shows their patriotism and then they go on to do other things. So it's very, and like, I think a kill squad feels like maybe, maybe not where that would be, but like maybe he joined the military and he was proficient in a way that like, took him to a Sokovian kill squad. I don't know. <laughs> that's, uh, that's entirely possible. Because um, I think it was the CIA people that said that he was in the, the Sokovian kill squad. Like, they probably didn't think that, uh, that that's what it was, you know, in Sokovia or on the team. You know, it was probably just a, a special ops team. For right, them. right, right, right. Exactly. Like, it's, it's something that he might have been... Maybe it's something... Just like he was trying to destroy the Avengers for his countrymen, whereas, like, all of us, and including everyone that, like, uh, you know, in that world probably was like, why, are you dis- why would you destroy the Avengers? Like, he has his purposes for his people. Oh. Yeah. Well, there was a, a fair amount of chatter um, as well comparing Zemo to, especially in the version that we're seeing in this series, that he's a lot more like a Bond villain. And uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Matthew Fox, again here, he's, uh, he's mentioning that a lot of British nobles joined MI5, a strong sense of patriotism and duty, so. Yeah, yeah. I definitely see the, uh, the parallels there. Like, he, he's definitely got the, the Bond villain vibe of being, you know, just such a presence mm-hmm. that is, um, you know, like I said earlier, he's completely in control of the room yeah. and the information flowing around him. This- um absolutely feels like the movie where bond has to work with one of his greatest greatest nemesis to like mm-hmm. bring in one of his other one of a new threat or something which right. i yeah. don't even know if that's ever happened but like it just feels so 
he's, he feels so much like a Bond villain. Like just the the aristocratic nature of him, and like him on yeah. that private jet. Yeah. Oh, that his his discussion of Trouble Man and Sam's like shocking. Ooh. Sam's the shocked look on Sam's face when he like agreed fully with the the words coming out of his mouth but disagreed fully with the word with the mouth they were coming from like right, it's right. so good that that little moment was everything to me in this episode when he's like trouble man yes it is a masterpiece it it epitomizes the african-american experience perfectly or it captures the african-american experience perfectly and he's like you're not wrong, but you're way out of line. <laughs> yeah, he's out of line, but but he's right. <laughs> I love that line so much. Yep. Oh my god! I didn't know that I needed him. I didn't know that I needed Zemo to really complete this sort of trio that's going on. Like, like <laughs> I like Falcon and Winter Soldier together. I absolutely love the three of them together, and like yep. Zemo's. Zemo's so charismatic. It's so much fun. I didn't expect that either. Yep. And like the watching, watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier quip at each other while Zemo's just like smirking in the background. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, look at them. Look at them. They love each other so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that, but I also think he's all of that. He's, he's, he's both ingratiating himself a little bit by showing depth and understanding. And he's Mm -hmm. like, playing them off of each other and understanding their dynamic more. There's all this stuff going on with Zemo, just like understanding these two people. And you can absolutely see him laying the groundwork for his escape and his, you know, defeating of them later. um, If he needs to. Yeah. He does a great job of like planting seeds of doubt in that scene in Madripoor when, you know, Bucky is going all winter soldier. And then Zemo just has that little side comment to, to Sam, like, uh, how quickly he can return to old form, and then before that scene even ends, Sam is asking Bucky, "Like, you good? You you cool?" Like, so yeah, it's it's definitely there. Puppet master, yeah. Haley Hobbs is calling. Total puppet master. Yeah, yeah. Was that was that scene? Uh, sorry, before was the Madripoor scene where he pretends to be his old self. Was that yes. before or after he talks about destroying the shield and how before. he wants it? It was before the badge report scene yeah. was before. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just think, I just think it's interesting because I took Anthony Mackie's face to mean like, as I mentioned earlier, like you might not be the guy. Like I would take it before I would let you have it, kind of thing. Which which felt a little like I don't know. That's how I took it, and it, it's interesting that it was right after he saw him. Uh, go go all crazy in the nightclub. Oh yeah. If that's the case, we're already seeing a little bit of like light, daylight between them being brought about by the tactics being chosen by Zemo. Like Zemo is already sowing doubt in his mind. It's so good. So good. Yep. It is so great. Touching on that scene in the in the club or in the the bar, whatever it was in um, in Madripoor. The Winter Soldier music came back from Captain America, the Winter Soldier from Cap 2, like, uh, and that, like, that screech, that high-pitched, like, yeah. wail mm. when when he's going all just full Winter Soldier in the, oh. It was scary. Was, it was. It's, right, it, it builds so much tension, and it's so amazing. <laughs> like, I, yeah. in the moment, the first time I watched it, like, because this, this past watch was the second, like, I watched it when 
when it came one out, middle of the night, 53 AM, <laughs> something like that. Um, but like I, I watched it early this morning and right then when that music hit, I was like, Oh shit, that's the music. Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's awesome. that scream still gives me chills every time when he like slammed the dude on the bar top, and then that scream just came in perfectly when the action stopped. Like, oh man, so good. Yeah, and it it like it it carried and just kind of lingered, mm-hmm. and it was oh, it's so good. That music is so good. Henry Jackman is a legend. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, before we completely move on from Zemo to some of the other characters and and villains. Um, it would not be an MCU podcast if uh, there wasn't some rampant and wild speculation. So we got Vermilion One hitting us with, uh, and Bond villain Mads Mikkelsen was in Doctor Strange, which is opening up the multiverse of madness. Zephisto confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so the multiverse, uh, maybe we'll get uh, Bond crossing over. There was oh, that, you know uh, what? There was that leaked uh, thing of Bruce Campbell showing Ash coming into <laughs> Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Ash from Evil Dead. I love it's it. Very, uh, it's very suspect that that, ha- that dropped on April 1st. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I think yep. it's real. It's full. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, something that kind of did bug me about the whole Zemo prison breakout thing is how to get out of his cell. Oh, he gave him a key card. Thing. He was reading Which, Ma- was Machiavelli. Card? Yeah, yeah. Does the key card work from the inside? Though <laughs> I don't know, but I would assume it would have to for this plot to work. So sure. I mean, yeah, for this plot to work. But what if? Follow me on this one. Mm-hmm. Zemo's been in that prison cell for seven years, right? Mm-hmm. Give or take. Mm-hmm. And he has been conscious for all of it, as he said. But what if he's making deals with somebody to get out of there? Absolutely. I mean, he is a sure. master manipulator. I'm sure he had some contingencies in place, whether or not, you know, Bucky. whether or not they were multi-dimensional, <laughs> extra-dimensional <laughs> deals or not. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> like that's how he maintained all of his money. Still, right? like his assets weren't frozen because Mephisto had them just sitting waiting for him. Uh, who I were going to Mephisto? I, I, I see. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're going. <laughs> okay. Matt, why wouldn't we go to Mephisto? That's where we're supposed to go. So many reasons. What else you got, Jay Scotty? <laughs> All right, yeah. So we can move on to a, another character here that uh, finally got their debut, and that was uh, Sharon Carter. So we're getting a, a lot of speculation regarding her. And uh, mm. Rob Breeze hits us with uh, the theory that uh, she might be power broker. He's asking if anybody else thinks that. She showed up yep. right in time to help help them and like she was teaming with them is she uh, and is selling black market gold i'm assuming he means here excuse me uh could that include the blue juice which is the the serum absolutely and then mama hale boss mama she comes in and says i don't know if i buy into sharon uh being power broker she held them to she helped them find nagel uh seems like she would have steered them elsewhere if she was the power broker well they also she also might not have allowed thought they would kill him yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure she didn't think that they would they would end up killing him. Like the first thing that she does whenever she meets up with them is to get Zemo to drop his gun. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, Zemo kind of uh goes around in various places and probably picks up all kinds of other guns uh, cuz it's Madripoor. But <laughs> just guns. You know, like they didn't Actually no, he didn't have a gun. There was a Oh, yeah. Whenever they were questioning um, 
whenever they were questioning Nagel, Zemo was walking around the lab feeling under stuff. Like he was feeling under the counters and stuff. Right. Mm. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jay Scotty. Here you go. I forgot to switch scenes. Here you go, Jay Scotty. Come on back. Come on back. Get out of your cave. But yeah, Zemo was was feeling around under the under the tables and everything. Like Nagel had a gun somewhere, and Zemo found it and pulled it out and killed him with it. Like that's what happened. Yeah. I yeah for sure. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I think her being noise. power broker, or at least working for power broker, is pretty likely. Like, she's a skilled agent, and she's ended up in Madripoor, and seems to not uh, have, you know, I don't know, allegiances anymore. So, of course, she's probably going to be tied to the power there. Um, unless this was all a front, and she's still CIA. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd like that. But it's possible. Oh, man. Like, the CIA set her up as the power broker? Yeah. She's, or or yeah. she's over there pretending to be Sharon Carter, like, you know, cut loose and, and in a bad situation. And, and that's how she's, like, sort of infiltrating their little gang. I don't know. No. What? What you got? Hold on. If you say Mephisto, she's a I'm very scroll. Oh, oh, scroll. She's okay. a scroll. Okay. <laughs> She's a scroll. That's the secret invasion. We do know, yeah. It's supposed to lead into three different, uh, three different, oh, yeah, three different, different series properties. So yeah, secret invasion is definitely be. on the table. I really don't want her to be this scroll, and I really don't want her to be not. I don't want to be a CIA. I would like her to be the power broker or Sharon Carter brought so low to work for the power broker. I just, I really like this character development they've set up for her. Yeah, as long as Emily Van Camp's been playing the character and this has been these series have been opportunities for these like side characters to be fully fleshed out it it i would be totally down for her being a scroll just in terms of like embracing the the comics source material but i do think emily van camp and the character of sharon carter are a little more deserving than than that yeah um, yeah um i you know like i i like the idea though of the cia setting her up as uh as the power broker because uh, that that further drives home that whole like you know the government set up captain america with their you know asshole captain america uh they set up john walker as the new cap like it it very it looks like it very easily could lead into sharon walker got set up as the or pff, sharon uh-huh. carter got set up as the power broker um and you know that was just to kind of ingratiate her into into that world uh, or maybe just to have like a, a a way that they could generate super soldier serum you know for their people without uh without saying that like they're doing that as a government program um mm. and, and mm. it would further drive home that yeah the point i was coming to eventually in a, in a roundabout way uh-huh. uh is that it further sets up the whole the government is a bad entity and we can't trust the government thing right you know that like setting up, you know, your new Captain America was kind of leading us toward. Well, you know, we've talked about the idea that, like, the Flag Smashers could be, like, a false flag operation. uh, Right. And, like, it could be the government trying to give Cap someone to fight, and then they have the actual power, or it's all an act or something. I don't think after this episode, we haven't really talked about the Flag Smashers much, and uh, that that character, Um, but that was a really intense scene, too. Carly Morgenthau 
like her character seems to be really genuine and really want to do the right thing. Um, but then she blew up a, a house with a bunch of people in it. And, but the interesting thing is her friend was shocked by this, which means like, this is not, this is sort of new behavior. She says in the previous episode, after tomorrow, there's no turning back. And I think this was the action she's talking about. Like she's willing to go this far and now she's, she's crossed the line, you know? Yeah. First off about the, the compound that they, they went to, like that was a, a, a GRC, uh, storage facility. Mm-hmm. Like that was a, a resources depot right. is what they called it. Um, it was, it might've been a house, but you know, it wasn't being used as a house, but it had a logo on the front of it. That was a, it was a blue circle with a red X and mm-hmm. a red circle around that X. And I was like, X-Men confirmed, right? Yeah. But, definitely an X-Men <laughs> compound. <laughs> but, um, no, like the, the fact that she's like, she blew up her car and set the building on fire and everything. Like, and the the fact that she said like the words that she said in response to her friend saying there's still people in there are this is the only language these people understand mm-hmm. it like it really opened us up on that character and really kind of you know showed that like maybe yeah like I feel like a a police negotiator like I really want to be on your side Carly but you gotta you gotta work with me here yeah like, you gotta give me something for the moment she's talking about uh how like how they they're doing we gotta remember why they we're doing this and we're doing this to help the little guy and like all these yeah. people aren't eating I was like maybe she's gonna be the new cap oh wow <laughs> <laughs> She was. She just rem- it reminded me of like that kind of heroic language of like, no, we're doing this. We're gonna fight for the little guy. We're gonna help him out. We're gonna do the right thing. These people. These we're we're turning we're turning on the government because it says like, hey, that sounds pretty capish to me. I didn't really think she was gonna be the new cap, but I was like, she's uh, uh, who's a hero in this story? For a second, it was like, oh, maybe she is. And then yeah, she and then uh, she blew up a building. Blew, blew up a building with people in it, shocking her friend and making him a party to that actions that she's taking as well. I I wondered in that moment, and maybe it's maybe it's getting too convoluted for this series. But did she <laughs> put the bomb in the car, or did she just simply know that it was there and let it go off because she knows the power broker is trying to kill her? And she, kind of if you take that line as like this is the only way these people are going to learn is like if you take the first step, there's going to be collateral fallout, and we're not going to you know necessarily be the ones to to save your people but that's just kind of the way i i thought mm. it was a p- potential way the the scene might have played out possible it takes a little bit of her agency in the situation away it seems to me that's like true that's driving fair. home driving home the point that she's like no no she's deciding to do a bad thing like she might yeah. have good reasons they've set her up with all these good reasons but she is deciding to yeah. do evil she's a terrorist i now. feel like I feel like she's the killmonger of this series of like, you know, she's trying to do the right thing. She's trying to do a good thing, but going about it all the wrong ways. Um, And, you know, she's winning the moral argument, but, you know, needs to be needs to be corrected on her methods. Mm -hmm. Um, On the opposite side of that coin, John Walker is not winning the moral argument and doing all the wrong things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. Uh We'll see. I, I definitely, he's definitely just seeming more and more like a dick and more yeah. and more like yeah. he doesn't have like that solid moral compass that a cap needs, you know, a good man. He doesn't seem like a good man. He seems like a fine dude, but not a good man. <laughs> a fine dude, but not a good man. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
We do have some feedback regarding Walker, as we always do, a.k.a. Dollar General America. Uh, <coughs> Rob Breeze, our resident veteran, um, has some experience uh, with the military, obviously. He says Walker pooling rank is a very telling negative piece of his personality. Mm. So, oh, yeah. 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 I'm sure Rob has experienced that firsthand. Uh, mm. I mean, if you got to tell people you're the boss, you're not the boss. Yeah. Mm. Like the people who maybe, say I'm in charge are not in charge. Or the other times you shouldn't be the boss. Like you're not doing a, you're not leading by example. You're not leading by, you're forcing your leadership. And that's a bad sign. I, last episode, when they were like, who had him released? Talking about Winter Soldier. And uh, he goes, eh? It looks like <laughs> people should be proud of him. Right. To, for, for having yeah. him released. And everyone's mad at him for having him released. And he's like, me? Look at what I did. I'm such a good guy. Like, <laughs> you don't, you're not. Come on. You just seem like you're seeking out praise and not really like understanding the, the moral things you should be doing or the tactics you should be using, like you said. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we've also got uh, Boss Mama coming back with, uh, she has a strong feeling Walker is going to take some of the serum. He's obviously not powered now, but I feel like he's going to take it knowing that he can't really fight anyone. Hmm. Well, I mean, they did a study of his body at MIT, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he tested off the charts mm -hmm. in everything. That's a good call. I think he's going to take the serum. That's a good call. I've been wondering who's going to get the serum. I meant to ask that earlier. Like, there's 20 of these vials. We've mm -hmm. only seen five Flag Smashers so far. Eight. Right? Eight? eight they total? said eight over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I've only seen this episode once. <laughs> they said eight in the last episode. <laughs> I've only seen that episode twice. Um, and I've only seen it but, once today, okay? But <laughs> I've, I've slept since then. But that, that um, opens up 12 Captain America level heroes, or like heroes or villains, power right. level, that could be introduced into this universe. Either... You know... Like um, now or later, you know this this season could this season could end with like some of those vials falling off the back of a truck and somebody picking them up, you know. <laughs> Elijah, we can patriot. <laughs> yeah. The thing that that stuck out to me about that is that when Carly said that Nega was killed in Madripoor, she didn't say like we're the only people left that have the serum in us or whatever. Mm. Like she didn't say anything like that. She said we have the only remaining serum. So, like it it, it kind of. It hinted to me that they probably have like a few vials left. Um, even if they, you know, even if it's more than eight that they, that people have, that, is, that have taken it, um, they still have, they likely still have some left. Um, I'm thinking Sam, because he gets the super soldier serum in the comics when he takes on the mantle of Captain America. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking Sam. I'm thinking John Walker. And I'm thinking maybe Hoskins because he gets uh, he gets super strength in the comics. I, I'm thinking and Torres, oh, I like Torres for it. You're not thinking Elijah. I mean, we've got so much set up for young. He Avengers. gets a he gets a transfusion. Oh, the transfusion. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they could adapt it differently here, though. Um, yeah, no, for sure. No, it has to be exactly <laughs> like this. <laughs> Jeff's like, here's my here's my guess on who gets the super soldier serum. Yeah. 
Here's list of people in the comics that got the super soldier serum. <laughs> and thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> the rest of it gets destroyed. I think that Elijah would be really fun. And they've set him up in the in this show in an interesting way where like we saw him for a second, but we really didn't get to know him at all, you know? So mm-hmm. I think Elijah would be really fun to go ahead and give some superpowers to, like if he got in on this action, you know. Um, ooh, I know, uh. I know. Sharon Carter wants that super soldier serum. If she's the power <laughs> broker and she set up this whole thing, you don't think her main goal was to give it to herself? He made twenty vials, though. Right. She. She's the power she broker. If she's the power broker, she's the power broker, right? Like, she spent seven years becoming the king of this little land. The only flaw there is, how does Zemo know the power broker exists if he was in jail all that time? But we'll get, we'll get, well, maybe he could heard through the grapevine. Well, it could be like the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a great reference. Yeah, she killed the power broker, took his face off, put it on hers. <laughs> I don't. That's not how the Dread Pirate Roberts works, isn't it? I think you're thinking of Face Off, uh, uh, or yeah. maybe the Joker, <laughs> or maybe Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Inconceivable. <laughs> Inconceivable. Inconceivable. That guy's so good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, but yeah, it could be could be just a mantle that gets passed on. Anyway, I think Sharon Carter gets the serum. I'm calling yeah. it now. I think Sharon Carter maybe made the serum happen because she knew about the CIA program. We already know that. So she knew about the CIA program. She brought it over here, got it started, and now she has been waiting seven years for her dose of super soldier serum, and then it gets taken away from her at the last second, and she is tracking down uh, Carly, and and that's going to be a big tension going forward. I think Mm. it's pretty likely. Hey, uh, Scott, are you ready for, like, the best pun ever? Let's hear it. (laughs) Power broke her. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Cut the feed, we're done here. Yeah, you're lucky it was me and not Ash here. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she would have been so mad. Uh. Yeah, I can't like, top that. I can't top that. You, you, can't re- you can't recover from that. We just have to end it. <laughs> Got one or two more? Yeah, well, just while we're back on, on Sharon, um, I did want to hit uh, Matthew Fox's additional feedback that kind of goes into the, the nature of her pardon. He says his sense is that people got pardoned for saving the world and all the goodwill that was generated, not because the government was trying to do the right thing. Sharon wasn't part of the in-game battle, so it tracks that she'd be forgotten. And it does kind of speak to what Jeff was talking about, this whole series positioning government organizations as being the the ultimate big bad. I would agree yeah. with that, except Captain America was on the wrong side of Civil War. He was being chased down and all this stuff, but he seemed involved with whatever the Avengers team that was still fighting for the world with uh, Natasha and Okoye and Rocket. And, and maybe that was a secret Avengers. Maybe that's what that whole thing was, was like this sort of secret Avengers that's going on. But mm. it seems like why wouldn't they bring Sharon Carter into that, you know? Why wouldn't they make her part of the team that eventually fights in the endgame battle? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm having trouble reconciling Cap here um, because, you know, if, if Sharon didn't go away for five years and Cap also didn't go away then like why did he not reach out to her why didn't he try to bring her back into the fold because like 
Cap Cap wasn't hiding. He was he was running uh, an outreach or uh, he was running the the therapy sessions, right? Like he was. That's true. He was Cap there was with everybody. Hiding. Yeah, he was just in the circle there. Like you know, we we all got to move on. We got to you know try to you know take it day by day. We're it, we're all trying to do our best here. It's a really interesting question. Why does well that's after Infinity War though. I could I don't know. I don't see him getting yeah. pardoned for not stopping Thanos. I, yeah. I feel like that <laughs> like, was like further You did your best. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see that <laughs> happening, but like that was during the blip. I could see like with all the government shakeup and everything and the world changing so much him getting pardoned somehow, but maybe he just like volunteer like the world needs me. Pardon me and I want to come back and fight for the world or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, it, it is I weird. There's so. some weirdness going on there. And Sharon Carter, it's a, it's a totally valid reason. It, this is Wrath of Khan, right? No? Nobody? Wrath uh, of Khan? Wrath of Khan, there's a Star uh, Trek episode called Space Seed, okay? Okay. And in Space Seed, they leave, they, 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 they encounter a group of superhuman people, similar to the Flag Smashers, and they fight them. And then they leave them, they, they want to take over the universe. And he's like, no, but what you've always wanted is your own place. And Kirk strands them on a planet and says, you can have this planet. It's yours. It's a harsh planet, but you are superhumans and you're going to conquer this world. Go ahead and conquer your world. As he leaves them a world to conquer. And then 20 years later, Wrath of Khan happens. And the plot of it is those super soldiers have been on that world for years and Kirk never came back to look it for them. And now they basically, some bad things happened to them. It was a very hard time for them and they come back and th just on a vengeance quest for Kirk. And so that's the plot of Wrath of Khan. It's a great movie, but that's what this is. It's like they abandoned Sharon Carter. They didn't think to help her. And now she's oh, yeah. like coming back for them. Sorry, that was a long way to go for that reference, but I figured people would get it. <laughs> you're, you're good. I, I had the the cursory knowledge of that, but ha hearing you go through it definitely helped jog my memory. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think that is a pretty um, apt analogy, but there may be a, an element that kind of undoes it. Unfortunately, Boss Mama is reminding us, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't it confirmed by one of the writers that Sharon was snapped? I don't know. Mm. No. Okay. Even still, even still, remember. if she was snapped, uh, that still leaves her two years since Civil War to have been like working on becoming the power broker, or that's fair. Working on getting power over there, or like learning about the the lay of the land in Madripoor, and then like if she snapped back, I don't know. I don't know though. I, I was not sure about that, Boss Mama. Uh, I did not she, know. That. She does provide additional feedback that it was the in-game writers and not the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier writers. So. Ah, but they mm -hmm. never confirmed it on screen, so... Yeah, yeah. Who knows? That's not the first time people have uh, disagreed with Marcus and McFeely. Looking at you, Russo yep. brothers. But. <laughs> <laughs> the directors of the movie and the writers don't believe the same thing. You can't really... Basically, you can't trust writers unless they put it on the screen, because then that gives... They still have room to wiggle their way out of it and do something different. Yeah. Especially when they're not writing everything. The, the Marvel team can definitely say, nah, she wouldn't snap. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fine. It's fine. All right. Well, 
We have been gone a little longer than normal, and I have to edit this. I did want to uh, bring something up that uh, Jeff did, and he he threw out that thing on last that threw out the shout out on last week's podcast. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before we started. I talked about how insane my setup is right now uh, because I'm using my phone for one piece of audio, and I'm using Bluetooth for another, and I've got a USB device over here for audio, and it's all plugged in or being routed to this really old computer right now that is. Uh, not handling it amazingly, but it's it's getting we're getting by. So uh, last week my computer crashed. I thought I could move over to this old laptop for a little while until I could afford a computer. Uh, this old laptop is only half working. Um, it's processing the information to send out to the stream and to record, but that's all it can do. So I'm I've got all kinds of workarounds happening. Um, but Jeff was very sweet to start a uh, GoFundMe to get me a new computer so we can keep making these podcasts uh, at a regular pace um, and keep doing all the video stuff that we've been doing. So, uh, and a lot of you, a lot of you guys gave to that. And I just want to say thank you. And and I'm sorry I haven't said thank you sooner. Um, I know a lot of you know, I think part of the reason uh, a lot of you probably gave is I'm also going through a lot right now with my mom and... Uh, I mean, I, everything. I, I, you guys have heard me talk about it all year. Lost multiple family members uh, to COVID and other things, and lost my job. And well, cut my job's been cut a lot because of the COVID. And um, my mom has been injured and in the hospital. I just dealing with a whole lot. I'm, I'm learning to be her caregiver this week, and uh, the generosity of all the pandas to help me get back to fully functional. Uh, with the computer, I had an old six, you know, it's a six-year-old computer that just gave up the ghost, and like, I now I'm using like a ten-year-old laptop that's even <laughs> less powerful. Um, and uh, doing all of this is very. It was already very time-consuming, and it's very time-consuming now. And like, getting a new computer is pretty essential to us being able to do this. And I was about to just throw it on a credit card, even though I've been working all year to get out of debt, <laughs> but um. Mm-hmm. I just, this, this community and this podcast is incredibly important to me. And, uh, I, so I was willing to do that. And I just want to say thank you guys for, um, being willing to chip in, uh, because it, a, a lot of you have done the GoFundMe. Some people have even done like cash app and Venmo and all that. Um, I just thank you so much. Uh, it, it's, it's a huge thing. It's been, um, uh, where we're, we're like halfway to the original goal and we've uh i've been talking to zoo about some other options we're not sure which option we're going with yet but we're i'm talking about like some other computer options that might even even if we only raise some of the money we might be able to get a, uh, a setup that will work so that's very exciting thank you to everybody thank you thank you so much and um i'm sorry i've been not in communication just to keep you updated on my life uh, about an hour before the podcast started, an ambulance had to come pick up my mom. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, that's a whole nother thing. Um, but uh, she's okay. She didn't fall or have any trauma. Um, she just got, she couldn't move this morning. She like, her body just wouldn't. She's, she had a spinal cord injury and she's been getting better. And yesterday she got way worse. And then this morning she was just like, couldn't move her body and couldn't, 
couldn't do anything for herself. And I was trying to literally carry her from room to room and it just wasn't anyway. So uh, we had to call the ambulance Damn. to come get her. So my mom's at the hospital again. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's just more and more things keep happening on that, that end of stuff. And um, I just appreciate you guys being so generous to get us back to where this escapist podcast that I do can keep being the fun escapist thing and not be uh, an eight hour editing slog. Cause I'm dealing with the spinning wheel all the time. Um, so I, I can't even, I don't know. I, I I've said, I've already thanked you guys so much this year for so many things. And I'm, I'm like embarrassed by how su- much support I've been given by you guys. And I just, uh, thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't even, um, I get emotional thinking about it and I can't even, uh, say words that would mean enough. And I even, I, and again, I haven't had time because I've been dealing with all this to even write everybody a personal thank you yet. Um, and Jeff has been writing personal thank yous and I, I appreciate that Jeff cause I got yeah, you buddy dealing with all this stuff. So you got a lot on your plate right now. Happy to take some of it off. So thank you for all of that. And, um, uh, I guess I guess we'll put the GoFundMe thing in the in the show notes again, um, if anybody wants to give. But we're going to figure it out. A lot of you have already given to the point that we know we're going to be able to figure it out. So, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, but thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jay Scotty. Thank you, man. You, of course. What you do is invaluable to this community and. Uh, a lot of people don't see what happens behind the scenes, but both of you guys, you know, you have your personal lives, your work lives, and you do this, all this stuff for the community. So I don't want to make anybody cry or kiss too much ass here, but really appreciate you <laughs> no, guys, all, all the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it. it. It means a lot. But Jeff hasn't got to say his catchphrase this week to Jay Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Get your lips off my ass, Jay Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the noise is going to be in there. That's my favorite part. <laughs> All right. For real, I love you all 3,000. That goes to Jay Scotty and to Jeff and all of the pandas out there listening. Um, thanks for joining us for the MCU cast this week. And thank you for all the support to get us back to full strength here at Panda Control Headquarters. <laughs> Whatever. Panda, Panda, Panda HQ, we'll call it that. Yeah. yeah, which is which is the computer that I carry around. That's it's not not a place. <laughs> Panda HQ is the computer that I carry around from city to city because I'm living in three cities right now. Um, I thought it was in our hearts. Yeah. Stranded Panda is not a place. It's a people. It's a people. Yeah, that's that's very true. Very true. All right. Much love. Peace. Later. Until next time, true believers. Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Available everywhere you get podcasts, and now a video version streaming live on twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv and available at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you'd like to learn more about all of our other podcasts, geeky projects, and ways to support the network, visit strandedpanda.com.